Welcome to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Christina. And I am Michael. And we're going to be starting right off with some, I guess, new and exciting news. Something I didn't see coming, but I think it's kind of cool. And that is the Valve Steam Deck. And we're going to run down it, give the specs, give everything, give our thoughts, how it compares to the other systems that are out there. And uh, yeah, and see what we think of this thing. Is this the is this the switch killer that's coming out? People like to jump to saying, you know, this is the thing that's going to kill Nintendo. I don't think that's the case, but I do think it's very cool, and I do think competition is going going to be very good for us Switch owners. So I'm hoping this leads the way to the, you know, the 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 Switch Pro that we actually want. Maybe this will kind of nudge Nintendo to kind of make that happen. So we'll see. Now, right off the rip, this comes out in three different models. Not big of a difference between them other than the, the storage, but you can get the 64 gig storage at $399. Now, this has EMMC storage. This storage will be potentially slower to read and write. I guess that's major, the main thing you're paying for is that the ability to read and write faster and how much native storage is on it. All of these can have SD cards. So just like your Switch, you can expand it to you know, as much as you want, but you have to factor in that cost for those SD cards. The next version, the mid-tier, is $529.00. This has 256 gigabytes of NVMe SSD. Now, this is kind of on par with what you would expect for the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Those are about $500, so you're $30 more than those. And then the highest tier is 512 gigabytes of high-speed NVMe SSD storage at $650, so not cheap. But they do say that in addition to the storage for that high end, there is etched glass on the screen, which is supposed to help with glare. So something we've talked about with the Switch and how, you know, when you play it outside, sometimes it's hard to see the screen that is supposed to help help with that. So that's kind of cool. So you would assume the OLED is kind of in at the the base, the bottom, you know, that's $399. That's sort of where they're competing with the Switch. Then you go up to the PS5, the mid-tier, you're looking at that $529 price point, and then you have that high-end $649. So now compared to those next gens that we just mentioned, you are looking at maybe less power than what you would for the Series X. So you are, would be paying slightly more, but it is less. It does not have the same processing power as those which, you know, that's kind of a bummer. And the GPU is less powerful. Now, compared to the Switch, though, it is going to be much more powerful than that device. It is similar similar in the sort of the configuration, the screen size, the design. They look a lot alike. They took a lot of inspiration mm-hmm. from the Switch. So <clears throat> the only difference is you cannot remove you know, the Joy-Cons like you can on the Switch. This this is just one unit. Those controllers do not come off. It does have that 720p touchscreen. The resolution for the Steam Deck is 1280 by 800, which is kind of odd. You don't see that too often. Uh, we'll see how that affects gameplay and the resolution later on. But that's, you know, it's definitely comparable to what we're getting with the OLED model of the Switch, very, very similar. Now, as far as processing power, here's a huge difference. The Switch features the NVIDIA's Tegra X1 chipset, which is an ARM-based processor that's over four years old, whereas the Steam Deck is an AMD Zen 2 CPU and next-gen RDNA 2 GPU. So bunch of numbers and letters there for you. This is a very similar or the same architecture that's in the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. That's kind of interesting because that means you can handle games like Control, which we do have on the Switch, but it's not going to be a cloud version. It's actually going to play it natively on there. You can also play Jedi Fallen Order or, which I would be excited, No Man's Sky. I think that's very cool. 
Now, the Steam Deck swaps removable controllers for some additional input methods, kind of like what Steam did with their other controller. You're going to have the touchpad on the front. You're also going to have the paddles, similar to Xbox has with their their uh, like their Pro controller. They have those paddles in the back. You're going to have similar to to that, and you're going to have Bluetooth audio, so you can. Comp- you can connect your wireless headphones, which is something we on Switch have wanted for quite a while. This already has that yes. built in right from launch, which is nice. Now, the Switch will supposedly have better battery life, the Switch OLED, I mean. It's going to have somewhere around four and a half to nine hours, which is what Nintendo quoted. The Steam Deck is going to have somewhere around two to eight hours, which is another big swing. And obviously that compares on the game that you're playing. They say that if you're playing something like a Portal 2 at 720p uh, with 60 frames per second, which the Switch can't do, you're going to have about four hours of playtime. So I think that's still good. That's still probably better than what I get with Switch on a lot of my games, actually, uh, because I have the launch Switch. So I would say four hours of game time for a game like Portal 2. And I would assume you can adjust those. You know, you could maybe make it go to 30 frames per second or you could adjust different things, you know, your brightness on the screen. And that can give you longer battery life. So I do think that in the long run, you're probably going to be you may end up being kind of close because I know some of the games on my Switch anyway, maybe not necessarily the OLED, but on the on my Switch, you're getting around two hours anyway on some of them. So if it's something where you're looking to upgrade and you need that battery life, maybe the OLED's where you want to be because it could do better. But I don't think it's a huge difference. Now, they the Switch is much lighter. It's 0.93 pounds, whereas the Steam Deck is 1.47 pounds, which is kind of heavy. And I think that would get heavy over time. If you are playing this on the go, that's going to make a pretty big difference. Now, some of the other advantages of Steam Deck, which I think are the more exciting stuff about the Steam Deck is that it's essentially a PC that you are bringing around and you're able to play your games on it, which means you could install Windows, which means you could have Xbox Games Pass on there and play from that. You can also install Epic Game Store and streaming services. So you could have like Stadia, Netflix, any of that kind of stuff on your Steam Deck, which I think is very, very cool. That opens it up to a lot of options. You're not just tied to Steam games necessarily. Now, the reservations come open for this on July 16th, and this will be shipping sometime in December. So I think this is very cool. I think it's very exciting. I think there's a lot to compare between the two, between Switch, OLED, and this. I've already said last time that I have zero interest in getting the Switch OLED, um, but I do have some interest in this, and I am interested in this device. I will say aesthetically and the way it looks, it's kind of ugly. And uh, and I think maybe a version two of it would start kind of smoothing those edges out a little bit and kind of make it look more refined. The Switch definitely wins in that area for me. But I do think there's a lot of potential here. And I think that if nothing else, it gets Nintendo to feel like, I mean, Nintendo always does what they want, but it kind of gets them to maybe start uh, considering, you know, beefing up the Switch that we have now. Yeah, I'm hoping it's going to be some healthy competition because, you know, while the Switch wins out in um, design and weight and, I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't win out Um, much. No, it doesn't win out much, but I think, you know, the Steam Deck coming into the market, being able to play those powerful games that everybody really wants to play on the Switch is going to be, I'm hoping a little bit of a wake-up call for Nintendo being like, oh, I guess, you know, we we probably should step it up now. I mean... They have dominated the handheld gaming world for quite a few years now, so I think it's time. The only thing that I find very tricky is the pricing model because, I mean, I think personally I would rather just get a PS5 or Xbox Series X over getting this because if I want to get one that compares to the PS5 and Xbox Series X, that's $130 more to get something that's very much so less powerful. So that I find that very tricky and weird how they did the pricing. I mean, I'm sure these things are very expensive to make. I don't doubt that, but it just it seems strange that you could get a, a place like next gen machines, powerful, powerful next gen machines for five hundred dollars, but you get this. It's much less powerful and it's more than five hundred dollars. But I guess if you really want something handheld, you might 
you know, it's, it's a give and a take, I suppose. But well, that's that's it. I mean, it's the yeah. portability. People will spend three hundred and fifty dollars for something that's nowhere near comparable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, the idea that you could bring your computer games on the go without, and, and essentially, you could bring your Xbox games on mm-hmm. the go without having to carry a TV and carry the mm-hmm. console and carry all the stuff, and it's essentially in the package of a Switch. I think if we, you cannot say that it doesn't have potential when us as Switch owners have said, I'll pay the Switch tax because I can play it on the go. Mm-hmm. That that That's it. This is the Steam tax. You get to play your games on the go. How many times have you wanted to play something on Steam, but you said, oh, I don't want to sit at my computer. I don't want to, yeah. you know, I want to just lay in bed. Now you can. Now you can mm-hmm. absolutely do that. And you could be playing those games at that $3.99 price point with you know, a, you could buy a, a $100 uh, memory card at most and have plenty of room, plenty mm-hmm. of room, way more than the 256 gigs. So I think that you could essentially do all of that. I think that's the potential. I think that's what they're selling it on is that this is a next, uh, this is a, a computer game device that allows you to go mobile with it. And I think that's that's great. Yeah. Once it comes out too, it'll also be interesting because I don't think, at least I can't recall Valve making any other hardware. Yeah, they've made other hardware. They made controllers. They had a Steam machine, which went nowhere. Oh, okay. They've definitely tried to do this before. Well, that's they, the thing. Like This is like their anywhere. first thing that's really kind of getting into a, a good place in the market. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm sure this is going to sell. People are going to definitely want this. But it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, what bugs there are, what issues it's going to have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Switch definitely had its issues. But I'm saying just because, I don't know, that the trust isn't really there, I feel, yet. Whereas Nintendo, I mean, they have so much trust. I mean, people just buy things because their logos on stuff. So it'll, it'll just be interesting to see it kind of how it all comes, like, how it all works out. Yeah. No, I think it's very yeah. exciting. I would say um, I'm interested. I don't think I would be a day one. I wouldn't pre order this uh but i am i am interested (laughs) i do think that this is something for those of us that wish we had a uh switch pro and feel sort of um like jilted by nintendo for not getting that version of the the switch that we wish we had this is something that's very appealing this is going to take a lot of those people and say well you know here we are hearing from nintendo that or at least the the buzz from media saying well maybe it wasn't going to come out this year because you know, the Switch is selling so well and it's so hard to get processors and blah, blah, blah. Well, here you are. Here's a device mm-hmm. that is essentially the Switch Pro that we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. And it is happening and it is this year. Uh, and I do think that's something that kind of puts Nintendo in a place where it's like, yeah, you are coming out with these iterations just like you did with the 3DS. I mean, that's Nintendo's thing, but it's Nintendo's thing because it's allowed by the market to be that way. And if you don't mm-hmm. want it to be that way, like I said last week, stop buying it. Just stop buying it. That's the only thing Nintendo's going to listen to is people buying and spending and talking with their money. And here's a perfect example of a company that came out with a device, which is what people actually want. And um, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to sell very well. I think there's a lot of potential with the Steam Deck, like I said, I don't think it has that market appeal and trust like Nintendo's does. It obviously doesn't have those first party games that Nintendo does. Uh, but in my opinion, and in my case, and I know this is crazy because we're we're on a Nintendo podcast, but it's not necessarily the first party games that sell me on Nintendo. It is still been the portability. It's the portability, yeah. Um, Metroid Prime and Metroid is a series that sells me on Nintendo, and they barely support it. <laughs> Zelda is a series, but I, I want Breath of the Wild. I don't want Skyward Sword. So it's kind of like I like certain games of Zelda, but it's not a must buy for me. It's not something that the second Zelda comes out, I'm all over it. Mario, I'm take it or leave it with Mario games, most likely. So first party Nintendo doesn't always sell me on Nintendo. It's all of the other things. And in and, and large part, that's barely what I play. Mighty Switch. Uh, it's always third party games is almost always what I'm playing like on my switch games. Yeah, yeah it's it's very rare that i play a first party game on my actual switch and if, so and if you're into indie stuff i mean steam is 
where all of the indie games are. So that's one other thing I thought of, too, is not all the games on Steam, I think, would translate very well to a like console controller setup. So it'll be really interesting to see how they roll that out. Like, are some games going to say supported by Steam Deck or not supported by Steam Deck or things like that? So it'll be really interesting to see how that ratio works out and how they kind of bring attention to that. Yeah, I, I had that same thought where I was thinking, yeah. you know, how how do you do that with and, and now the exciting thing again with you know with the Steam Deck is that you it will come out with a dock. It's not launching with a dock. They are working on a deck and they haven't specified how much that would be, but mm-hmm. they did say you can buy third party docks on Amazon. Um, there's a few that you could pick up. I think they were even displaying it in a third party dock when they were showing this off, and okay. you can get those for like twenty bucks. Uh, essentially, it's just a USB uh, three, I think. I don't know C. Yes, USB C on, on the bottom, and then you just need an HDMI out of it, and you can mm-hmm. play it on your TV or your monitor. You can also plug in a keyboard and mouse and use it as an actual computer. So okay. if you look at it that way, this is a six hundred and fifty. Well, well, let's say the highest priced one. This is a six hundred and fifty gaming PC. That's a yeah. pretty good price point to get into gaming PC. You know, to get into like playing without building it yourself, without having to buy a monitor necessarily, without having to have keyboards and, and, and mouse, you can add those to it and you can certainly play with those, but you don't have to. And you can have access to video you know, like PC games. And for 650 bucks, I think that's a pretty reasonable price. Even at their highest tier, that's a pretty reasonable build uh, for a PC. So I'm sure it's also exciting too, for people who, you know, are pretty regular on their steam accounts and just buy games after games, you might not have to go in and rebuy all those games again. Like I just, you know, bought Minecraft how many times. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like, you know, how that works out too. There's a lot of benefits to this thing. And the only downside is that it's, it really, it's not Nintendo. So that's the only thing. That's a, that okay. If nothing else, it would be nice if Nintendo took that away from it. So you have Steam. Mm-hmm. I've I've got a bunch. I I'm limited in what I can play because I play a lot of my. I have a I have a Mac, so I'm limited on what I can yeah. play on Steam. I can dual boot, but I don't typically do that. Every once in a while, I'll boot into Windows and update it 15 times because it's usually so far behind. And then by then, you know, my night's over and I can't play any games anyway. But I do have the option to play. So if I see games on there and it's Windows only, I may, if it's a really good sale, I may buy it with the hope of going in and and booting it up and playing it in Windows mode at some point. Now, the nice thing about this, though, is all that library comes over. Everything I've ever played, everything I've ever owned on Steam, I can boot this up and I can play it. It may be a little weird and janky at first because you're going to have to configure the buttons and, you know, use that touchpad thing. And and I don't think it's going to always translate well, but you have them. You bought them once and you have them. Mm -hmm. Now, if Nintendo at least took a page from that and said, okay, what if we had, a, a you know, Nintendo Steam and every Metroid you ever bought carries over. You can play it here, you can play it yeah. on this, you can play it on that, but you have it. Now Nintendo won't because they know they have a ton of people that are more than willing to buy things six times on every different console they come out with. And I think that's I you know, we 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 peg Nintendo as this company that's all for the consumer, but I the think consumer that's allows re- it. <laughs> it's but it's ridiculous yeah. that they expect it as well. If I've already bought Metroid six times on six different devices and it's a 20 some 30 some year old game, do not charge me again full price for a game that should be just free at this point and because you've already gotten your money for it. So I I think it would be really nice if we could see something like that happen. You know, you have so many people that bought games on the Wii U that are now rebuying things because they're coming out on the Switch. Skyward and- Sword. Yeah, on the Skyward Sword is a <laughs> yeah. perfect, and that's a full yeah. price game. Now, I probably yeah. would have picked up Skyward Sword if it was somewhere around the forty dollars price point, but I'm not paying that much for a full price game that has questionable controls. Even though they did try to, you know, update it for the button control, um, I, I don't think sixty dollars is the is worth it. I just yeah. don't. It's a hard sell for me. So I, I would love to see something like that where you just have your Nintendo account, you have games linked 
to your Nintendo account. I would even pay a monthly service to have access to those games and say, you know what, I I pay whatever it is. I pay for every other service under the sun. I'll pay $10 a month for Nintendo service if that means every game I buy is linked from here on out to Mm -hmm. any device that comes out. And I, I think, think that that's would be, really that would the, kill it. That's kind of the industry standard now too. And that's one thing that Nintendo hasn't decided to jump on the bandwagon and do. Well, cause they don't have to, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. They don't have to, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think this is cool. I am really excited to see what happens with this. Um, I've, as soon as they were talking about this and how it's a PC and you can download and install your own stuff, I was thinking, could this be a handheld way for me to play? Wow. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like could I play too. WoW on this thing? Because that would be <laughs> that would a, be a game changer for me. Because I was trying to figure out, all right, well, if I can, if I can link, you know, a certain because you, I mean, in reality, you don't need that many uh, commands. So, no, I, was I mean, you f- should just have you should just have an app on your game on your Steam Deck for uh, Game Pass, Epic Game Store, and Blizzard. That's awesome. all you need. That's I mean, all you need. <laughs> you should be able to install Blizzard. Yeah. So does that mean I could play WoW on this? Which would be so crazy to me, but yeah. also so awesome if I could get the button configuration to work out just right that I could use this on the go. I think it would be it would be so so cool. So yes, somebody I am excited for out. this. Yeah, somebody will figure it out when it comes out, and they'll make a bunch of videos about it, and we'll be able to talk about it. And I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, moving on in our news, uh, we have some Pokemon Unite news. Uh, remember that game that they announced and everybody forgot about and then maybe two weeks ago we talked about? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so this is a little reminder just that, you know, it does, it launches on July 21st mm-hmm. and players who log into the Nintendo Switch version of Pokemon Unite by August 31st are going to receive Zorora, which is a Pokemon um it can close distance between itself and its opponents very quickly, and it deals massive amounts of damage at once. Uh, essentially, this is going to be a Switch exclusive reward because it doesn't. The game doesn't release on mobile devices until September. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm going to try this. I mean, it's essentially free, so I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to try this. Uh, I I like mobas kind i mean i don't play a ton of them but i i don't have anything against them and i from what i've seen of this game it does sound interesting and i try all the pokemon games whether i like them or not so i might as well try it and i mean it's free it's free (laughs) yeah it's free so why not Uh, i'm excited to give it a shot okay so now we all know about drift that's been an ongoing thing for about since the switch came out uh every console now (laughs) yeah we've talked about the switch for you know the drift issue continuing even with the oled well there's a youtube channel vk's channel which claims to have a fix for that drift issue it's a 10 minute long video with a lot of just rambling on but if you skip to about the six minute 30 mark uh you'll get to the gist of it and essentially the way, the way they explain it, the, 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 the way that the channel is explaining the drift issue is they break it down the Joy-Cons and they explain that there's this metal sort of clip, this metal plate that folds up on the side, goes underneath the little thumbstick device, and then folds up onto the other side with a lot of use and dust and things like that getting into there. That little metal clip, which is folded up, and that's what's kind of the pressure of that's what holds it into place, sort of works its way down and creates a little void between the bottom of the joysticks and that plate. They're saying that's the cause of the drift. Once you get in there, that pressure, that little tiny millimeter of space is what causes the drift issues. And it's harder for the connectors to hit that metal plate and do what they need to do. So the, the, the way to solve that is they took a little tiny square piece of cardstock, like a business card or a, a cereal box or anything like that, like that sort of thickness cardboard. They placed it where the, the, joy, um, the actual joystick sits and then screwed it all back down. That little millimeter of material was enough to push the metal plate back up into where it needs to be so that it's making connection again. 
Now that's the claim. That's the that's the 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 way to solve the joy con drift issue. Uh, the the channel says that they haven't had issues with it. They've done it on two Joy-Con. It hasn't happened again for a few months now. They believe that will solve the problem. So if you are having this issue and you only have a set of Joy-Con, this could be a potential fix for you. This could be something to try. I've tried the air where you blow it in there and blow out the stuff and that didn't work. I tried doing a few other little things with my Joy-Cons when they were drifting. Ultimately, I did set mine in. I'm lucky enough to have two set. So I just was playing with the other set and I have the pro controller. So I was able to still play games. Now, if you only have the one set, you will not be able to play games for a little while. And that's kind of the bummer of it. Nintendo does offer the free repair. And in my case, it only took about a week to send it to them, have it repaired and sent back. It was yeah, very it quick. Pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. So that is free. That is an option. But if you're somebody that's just absolutely against it, then maybe you can try this cardboard fix. Uh, in in my case, when I've tried these online fixes, they never seemed to, to work. They never seemed to last long. Nintendo, when I sent my Joy-Cons to Nintendo, I haven't had an issue since. So same. Yeah. Which is great, you know, which is great. But again, they could just f- solve this problem and not have any issues to begin with. But uh now you you only have one set of Joy-Con, right? Mhm. Okay. Yeah. So you I'm curious to see how many people with Switch how many Switch owners only have one set of Joy-Con. Mhm. And if you are a Switch Lite owner, you have to send the whole device to have it fixed. You can't yeah. even send, you can't, t- they don't pop off. You can't do anything. You have to send your whole device to them to get it repaired. Uh, that and would suck. That would suck. And they have reported that some people have sent them in, they couldn't be repaired and they get a, joy- a new Joy-Con back, but sometimes the colors are different. They'll just mm-hmm. send you a Joy-Con. So it's kind of like, okay, well, that's a, that's a potential problem. You know, if I, I would wanted, hate that, <laughs> I would, I would be bummed if, you know, like if I had my, if they, if they sell those white Joy-Con and I get drift in one of them and I send it to them, they send me like a, oh a pink gosh. one back. I'd be like, come on, I'd Nintendo. Be, I would be livid. <laughs> yeah. I would be really upset. I, I, I didn't have that issue. Like I said, I, but people yeah. have said they had that issue and that's a potential, but I don't think I would have to imagine that doesn't happen very often, but yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I was very hesitant to send my Joy-Con in, but it happened. It turned around so quick and that was deep in the middle of the pandemic and mm-hmm. I got it back in a week. So yeah, I don't know. Same, same for me. And I was a little nervous sending. I mean, I'm, I'm a very nervous person, so I'm nervous about everything, but I was nervous about sending in my Joy-Con even just because I went in and opened them up and replaced the joystick and everything. So yeah. I was worried that they'd be like, oh, you went in here and futzed around with it. So we're, we're not going to fix it. Yeah. Um, they didn't say anything and it was very clearly a different Joy-Con. So I feel like they just don't care at this point. <laughs> I yeah. feel like they know people are doing their at-home fixes to try to avoid sending it in and they get it and they're like, well, we'll fix it. You won't have the problem again. It's and fine. I, I had opened mine up previous, not for the Joy-Con, but the little clip that holds the Joy-Con onto yeah, the Switch did, had like, worn off. Stuff. So mm-hmm. I bought metal ones and I replaced it. So it was very obvious that I had been open, had it open and changed something and yeah. they didn't even bat an eye. They swapped out the, the thumbstick and that was that. Yeah. So if you're worried about avoiding your warranty or whatever, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, I wouldn't worry. Send them in and get them fixed. It's it's worth it, to be mm-hmm. honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, last week we did talk about the Switch OLED and to nobody's surprise, the pre-orders went up and then two hours later, they were all sold out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was funny because we did a quick little survey on our Twitter to see if people were picking up and it was split 50, 50. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you no know, people want Nintendo stuff. So, uh, yeah, they sold out and it was the same for GameStop, Amazon, both us and UK, Best Buy, Target, even B and H photo, which I didn't know they sold switches, but I guess it would make sense because it's just tech. Um, mm-hmm. it does look like as of today, Sunday, July 18th. The pre-orders are still live on Walmart's website, Hmm. but I don't know personally if I trust that because Walmart's website is super janky. I don't like getting anything on Walmart's website, but I mean, if you're worth, you know, if you think it's worth taking a chance and you really want this OLED, I guess it's worth it, but I don't know. I I don't trust it. 
Um, also, you can have no fear because scalpers are already selling them on eBay for nearly $500. Which uh, is going to be so much more than that. It's, yeah. It's yeah. terrible it's gonna that be that wild. happens. But, you know, I, I what I would be interested in seeing is how many people that upgraded or I guess not even necessarily upgraded, but how many people bought the OLED either have a are collectors. I mean, there's a lot of people that just buy things. Yeah. Mots, our friend Mots has, you know, basically every 3DS that ever He's came gonna out. He's going to have an Nintendo Museum one day. Yeah. I'm pretty so sure. So there's some people that just collect consoles. They they mm-hmm. buy all of them because they, they like to have them. I'm curious to see how many people are new Switch owners, and this is the one they were waiting for to buy because they had been hearing for a year, two years, that, you know, we're going to get a new version. You should just wait. I'm curious to see how many people are brand new to Switch, which is would be awesome if a lot yeah. of these are just brand new to switch that would be exciting and how many of them have like me a first generation switch and just thought you know what my fans going my screens battery cracked, sucks my battery's <laughs> terrible i need to get this new one mm-hmm. so I, I wonder how many people already own a switch and bought this i'm really curious i, I, I hope we get that information but i i don't know yeah maybe we'll have to do another survey or something yeah. Or if 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 you know of somebody that's new, maybe tweet at us just because it would be uh, interesting to hear. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now we all know Reggie fils the previous Nintendo of America president. Well, he when he it's been a few years now since he's left Nintendo, and he's done Two all years. yeah, and he's done all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. He was teaching for a little while, and just just guys all over the place. Well, now in addition to all of that, he has been writing a book. And it is called Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo. The book will feature both leadership lessons, which is kind of what he was teaching when he was uh, a professor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it will have inspiring stories that aided him along the way to become the top of Nintendo. So I think that's a really cool idea. This is something that I would probably get the audiobook version of so I mm-hmm. could listen to just get some more insight into Nintendo of America. I think that would be very, very cool. Listen Amazon, to Reddy's voice. Well, yeah, assuming he's the, the narrator. <laughs> I'm sure uh, he would be. <laughs> maybe. Amazon has, has this down as... Um, May 24th, 2022 as its launch, but that could potentially change. So put it on the calendars. We got, you know, about a year to go before it's out, (laughs) but I think it's cool. I'm excited to, to check this book out. I'm excited to hear some of these leadership lessons and see what kind of what insights we can glean from, from, uh, the man at the top of Nintendo. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to read. I, yeah. I would read this one. Maybe we will do a Nintendo Dispatch Book Club. And yeah, we can there talk you go. That I like that. There we go. Let us know if you're interested. <laughs> Along with Skyward Sword coming out this last week, also we are supposed to be getting the Zelda Lofty Wing, I'm sorry, Loft Wing Amiibo. Um, well, apparently it was delayed in America due to some unforeseen shipping delays. Uh, only a small portion of the Amiibo actually arrived on time. So there are additional shipments uh, that are delayed until August. So if you really, really wanted to uh, get that Zelda Loftwing Amiibo, you might have to wait. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> well, another reason it's a bummer to lock, you know, gameplay features behind an Amiibo because obviously now you don't even get to people have this game done by the time this thing ships. Right. That's a bummer. Mm. That brings us to the top 10 bestsellers this week. In first place, we have Zelda Skyward Sword. In second, we have Mario Golf Super Rush. Third, Monster Hunter Stories 2. Fourth is Minecraft. Fifth, Among Us. I'm surprised Among Us is still stuck up there. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like, it's not cool to play it now. (laughs) I'm surprised Minecraft is still up there. Minecraft will never go away. I know, it's so crazy. (laughs) In sixth, we have Boomerang Foo Grilling Spree. 7th, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. 8th, Stardew Valley, hopping back in the top 10. 9th, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And 10th, NBA 2K21. And it doesn't look like any other new games made it in the top 30, so that's it. Okay, some heavy hitters, though, in the top 10 this week. Yeah. No surprise, though. I, I th- you know, obviously, Legend of Zelda was going to be at the number one spot. Absolutely, yeah. It was just a matter Expecting of time. Expecting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that gets us to new releases we're into this week. And I will say it's kind of an underwhelming week. Um, yeah. <laughs> that puts it lightly. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, there's a lot of games. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of games coming out, but there's not a lot of games that we're interested in. I will say nope. the very first one that we both have checked is July 21st, Pokemon Unite. We already talked about this. It's a, it's a Pokemon MOBA. So you're going to have five versus five teams. They did say that there's some other variations and you can do custom games and things like that. But it's going to be free to start. So my guess is it, it always confuses me when they say free to start, because I don't yeah. know if that means at some point you have to start paying or because there is those optional in-game purchases. If that's like the new way of saying, you know, it's free to start, but you're at some point going to want to spend. I don't know why they say free to start. That's a really weird way to say that it's free. Yeah, like well, they've done that with strange. a few games now where they say yeah. free to start. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't know, probably because there's uh, essentially some sort of, you know, battle pass type campaign maybe where you can pay monthly. Or maybe there's or, like a cap on how many games you can play and then you have to pay. I don't know. I guess we'll yeah, see. I yeah, I guess we will find, we'll find out. out. But I'm excited to give this a shot. It's just another game in that Pokemon universe. And it's mm-hmm. a different game style. So I, I'll try it. I'm, I'm excited. The next game is July 22nd. We both have it checked. It is called Last Stop for $24.99. And we were both really interested in this when they announced it. Was it was it E3 or was it the indie? I don't that, remember, but I would, I would say it was probably an indie because I don't remember it from yeah. E3. Well, either way, it looked really good and we are both really interested in it. Uh, this game is a single player third person adventure set in present day London. It's written and developed by Variable State. Um, They created that game Virginia where it's like a a long drawn out walking game from what I remember. Mm. I I don't think we played it, but I think we it was one of those things where we had it checked and we thought it looked interesting. Yeah. So maybe maybe Variable State just makes games that we find really interesting, but we never play. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think Last Stop does look very good. I do want to get this eventually. Um, It tells three interconnected stories of three different characters named Donna, John, and Mina, and they all have very interesting backstories. Didn't want to go too in-depth in them here because I feel like, I I don't know, I feel like it gives some of it away. Yeah, it's Um, part of the game. Yeah. So learning who they are and what they like and what their issues are. Um, But it is fully voice acted and has an original soundtrack by BAFTA award-winning composer uh, Leiden Holland, and it's performed by the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. So seems like it'll be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I thought this looked great. When I watched, I had to dig around a little bit, watch the trailer for it. I just mm-hmm. thought it looked uh, really, really well done. Surprisingly mm-hmm. so for the $25. I like when the games go through and they have everything fully voice acted. And the, when I started to see the, about the, the the soundtrack, it just seems very yeah. impressive for what they did. Yeah, I if a game has a good soundtrack, just sign me up because I'll just mm-hmm. play to listen to the music, basically. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the last one that I have checked is July 23rd. It's called 112 Operator or 112. I'm not really sure how they... It's like 911. Well, I was thinking it's like 911. So 112. You know what yeah. I mean? Because you basically are playing an operator that handles mergers. Like if you were called 911 here in the States. I don't know if it's like that everywhere in the world. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Essentially, if you have an emergency, you call 911 and, you know, you get hooked into the dispatcher and they bring the fire and the police or whoever. And you're essentially that dispatcher in this game. And I remember seeing this a while ago and I could have swore this had already come out and maybe there's a different version of it. But when I went to look on Steam, it has very positive reviews on Steam. And there was Mm -hmm. somebody actually essentially sometimes when you go on Steam, uh, there's somebody playing it so you can watch their like. I don't know, Twitch stream or whatever on Steam. So you can see somebody actually playing the game that Mm -hmm. moment. And it's really, really cool. I could see this being a ton of stress and anxiety because essentially you're (laughs) on the call. And the one, the one I was watching the guy was, it was uh, a woman got hit by a car. And so these quick little, you have to ask questions. So, you know, Mm -hmm. three options came up. It was like, is she breathing? What happened? Are they timed? Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, they're timed, but it doesn't seem like they're, I, I don't know how quickly it goes, but it, it seems, yes, they are timed. So the question was, you know, like the, the woman get hit by a car, the guy's on the phone. I don't know if she's breathing, blah, 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 blah. blah. He asked a few things. And then one of the questions was like, you know, tell me what happened or, you know, is she breathing? And so you have to quickly like make those choices to try to mm-hmm. save this woman's life 
as you are dispatching ambulance and police or whoever to the scene. So the, the you can see on this map, <laughs> you can see this on the map, the car is making its way through the city to get to this woman. And, you know, it was an interesting question because it's like, why would you ask what happened? I know what happened. She got hit by a car. But if you made that choice to say what happened, now you're wasting time or maybe not. Maybe you're keeping them on the phone, but you're not helping you know, if she isn't breathing, you're not giving CPR. So you, he says, yeah. well, is she breathing? He says, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. And, you know, and the person on the, it's all voice acted. So the other person on the phone is like kind of, you know, worked up. So then the the dispatcher says, well, now you have to start doing CPR until the ambulance gets there. So he starts doing it and he's, you know, he's like, do you know how to do CPR? The, the person on the phone says, no. He says, well, I'll talk you through it. And these are all like, prompts you select them it's not you're talking to the game but yeah so they start walking you through how to do cpr and he's like you have to put your hand on her chest and the guy's like is that i don't have consent he goes you have consent you have to save her life (laughs) you know so it's like interesting dialogue because you know if you were a person here you are thinking put my hand on her chest is that okay is should i be doing it so they start walking through how to do cpr then the question was do you do hard you know pushes or soft pushes and the guy chose soft pushes, which it is, and it's hard pushes. But if you, he chose soft pushes and the guy's like, now you have to push light, don't break her ribs, which when I t- took CPR classes, they say there's a very real chance you're going to break a rib by doing CPR. It's just yeah. that's the nature of it. It's you're trying to pump the heart and you cannot. It takes a lot of force to do that. You can't think about whether or not you're yeah. going to break a rib. It, it potentially does happen that when you're performing CPR, you could break a rib. Look so it was We're really... just all learning things today. Everybody just thank you, Michael. <laughs> yeah. So it was really interesting to see. And there's a bunch of that kind of stuff. There was one where they were talking about this kid was trying to save his sister or something from a fire and they smelled gas. And the guy was trying to tell him, you cannot go in the building. Don't go in the building. The fire. And you could see the fire truck was like two blocks away. He's like, don't. Yeah. And the kid says, I got to save her. And he goes running in and he, he must have turned on a light or did a spark and the building exploded. So, you know, it was like, you're listening to all of it and you're seeing the truck get closer and closer and you're kind of like hoping it gets there. So it was really kind of exciting. This could be pretty traumatic for people. Yeah, it was really interesting. Wow. Now, yeah. I will say that this is, geez, 20 some dollar, 20 bucks on Steam and, or on uh, on Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the eShop. It is normally $25 on Steam, but right now it's eight seventy five on Steam. So yeah, it's uh if you're interested in this game, I would definitely check this out. I'm trying to see if I can get us a code. I don't really want to pay twenty dollars, uh, but I thought it would be a fun one to to stream. So I yeah. gave it a check, and it'll be on the wish list. And if it does drop down to like a fifty percent off at some point, I'm gonna grab this one. I would say even if we get a Steam code for it, it would be worth streaming just to show people the game. And sure. So, yeah, this yeah. is available on the Switch. So. Yeah, now yeah. I I do think this could be one of those games that's better with a mouse and keyboard, just because mm-hmm. you're you know, you're constantly clicking on this map and you're trying to direct More things. Responsive. And I, yeah. It just seems like yeah, it may be better, but sometimes they do really really well with you know converting it over. So it's hard to it's hard to say for sure. But mm-hmm. either way, I thought the game looked really interesting, simple in design, but really exciting and interesting in actual gameplay. Yeah, it sounds like it would be very stressful for me, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, <laughs> and overwhelming. But it does sound like it would be, I, I guess, kind of rewarding though if um, everything went well. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. seems cool, a little different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that gets us to everybody's favorite segment in this show. What you playing, Christina? What have you been playing? It's more so what I finished. <laughs> oh, um, I finished Bioshock Infinite uh, a week ago. Um, finished streaming that so if people the whole trilogy's done all of them yeah i didn't play the dlc because by the time i finished infinite i was just done yeah. <laughs> i was ready to move on to something else but um of the three again i think the first one you just can't beat it it's just just something about that first game mm-hmm. just it's where it all started you know and then obviously in infinite you go back to rapture at one point and it's just like i i got kind of emotional and i got a little teary-eyed because it's like Oh, I love Rapture. <laughs> well, I mean, that's um, the power of it, though. I remember yeah, there was like yeah. a Metal Gear, and I think in Metal Gear 5, you go back to where it all started in one of the game, in Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, and it was yeah. just that sense of being back there, and it just hits you like, you know, the nostalgia of it. 
Yeah. And I think if anybody's like me, I get so like immersed in these games that like I feel so many emotions when I play sometimes. It's a little overwhelming. Mm. Um, I was even watching uh, Gab Smolder's her playthrough um, of Ghost of Tsushima. And in the beginning of like the first like hour of the game, you have this really intense battle. And yesterday she just went back to this place with this mother looking for her sons. And it was like, you got to see like everything in daylight and how bad it was. And it was just so emotional that and you don't expect it, but man, games, they can just really do, do that to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Bioshock is just such a good series and apparently um, they are working at another one. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see, cause I feel like at the end of infinite, Infinite kind of felt like it's its own sort of game in the Bioshock series, like Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2 are like kind of together and then Infinite's kind of its own thing. But so it'll be interesting to see where they go next. Like, are they going to go to space? Because that's kind of all they can really do Mm -hmm. (laughs) at this point if they like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but which would be super cool if they went to space. Can you imagine like Rapture on the moon? Ooh, yes. I want that to happen now. (laughs) Um, I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah, I got goosebumps when I said that. <laughs> um, and then after I finished Bioshock Infinite, I started playing Layers of Fear Legacy. And I finished that, I sort of. Mm. So the way the game works is you kind of make decisions as you go. Like some doors will you can go through. And then once you go through them, you can't go back through them to go through a different door. So those decisions you make, like there's like this ghost. And if you like run away from the ghost, that's kind of a decision you're making and it'll work its way into the ending that you are given. So there's three possible endings. I got the worst one and I didn't even realize it was an ending. I thought it was like some weird puzzle and I was missing something. Nope. It's an endless loop. Hmm. Completely endless. And I spent probably 20 minutes doing this stupid loop. How did you find out that that was the ending? I had to look it up because I oh. thought I was missing something because I kept doing the same thing over and over again. And I kept looking around trying to find stuff. And I was like, I am not finding what I what I need to find. So I was like, all right, guys, I'm looking this up. I'm waving the white flag. And I looked at it, I was like, what? I never thought they would put an endless loop like that in a video game. And it kind of made me mad. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels like a cop out. Like, oh, you didn't want to make another ending. So you just made a stupid endless loop. Yeah, it made me pretty angry. So um I am going to go back and try to get because I my, the save point is like I'm, I'm hoping in the area where it was last saved, I can go back and like make a different decision. Like there's like this one part where you see a ghost. I ran away from it. I'm going to just run right for it. Gotcha, I'm just going to yeah. love that ghost and <laughs> go all in. But we'll we'll see how that works out. Um, and then I think today I'm going to start Skyrim, which oh, I am wow. so excited about. Nice. I've been to play for so long. Um yeah, other than that though, wingspan, you know, the huge. Nice. I got I got my highest score on Tuesday. I my score was 104. Wow. That's I, pretty I've been good. trying to break 100 for a long time. So my next goal is 110. I want to beat 110. See if I can do it. <laughs> you should do some of the challenges where I think it's got um people that play that what the heck is it called? It's like the the robot version. And then and then it actually tracks it. So it shows the high score and you know who you have to be to, you know, to get their highest score. Kind of interesting. So people it's it's documented. So like if you played it and you got the high score, anybody else that decides to play that robot sees your score and is trying to beat you. Oh, so it's like a leaderboard. Yeah, it's like a leaderboard for Wingspan. Mm -hmm. Kind of cool. So 104 is very good, though. That's 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 definitely a high score. For me, it's very like I feel like I always get stuck in like the high 80s or 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it's like cards that I don't really that don't work well, I end up getting in like the 70s, which mm-hmm. I hate. Oh, I hate when that happens. But it's like it's still like good practice, I guess. So, like I try to tell myself like, oh, this game is going to be terrible. But, you know, you can at least still play through it and waste 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> but how many AI do um, you play against? Just just one. Oh, okay. I play I play a normal difficulty. Yeah, that's enough of a challenge for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. But, How many mm-hmm. of the cards do you think you've un- unlocked by now? Do you think you've seen a lot of them? 
you know how you can go, you can check how many cards there are. Yeah, I, I definitely have not played all of them. I'll play cards sometimes and it'll be like, you know how, well, when, so for the people who haven't played, when you do play a new card, there's like a voiceover that kind of gives you a little fun fact about the bird and it will like move and make it sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get that once in a while. So yeah. I definitely. There's a lot of birds. There's a lot, a lot of, cards. of cards that I just don't play because I hate them. Like the, the powers that only work for one turn. Yeah. Yeah, like I usually don't play those because they're garbage. But if I have to, I will, and that's usually when, <laughs> when I get the voiceover thing. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot there's of cards that you're I just not played. supposed to use. You know, I think they're yeah. in there to kind of they're fillers. They're they're not necessarily fillers, but they kind of, you know, if you if you're doing a, a card that allows you to choose two every time, they can't all be heavy hitters. You got to have some right, cards that are right. not good so that you're not, you know, just constantly crushing the competition. Or some cards are meant to be played, like the, how many points there and how many eggs you can put on them. They are meant to be played early game. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. That's you're done with them. Yeah, you exactly. Talk them behind another card or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very interesting for people who haven't played it. It's very tough to like figure out at first it kind of reminds me of magic the gathering in that way very hard to kind of learn and understand the rules but once you learn them it's like oh there's a light bulb that goes off and then you realize all the different strategies you can do and it gets very interesting yeah so yeah absolutely i really enjoy it <laughs> uh as far as for me i have been playing some witcher 3 and subnautica below zero still i think i'm just about done with witcher 3 i've gone through <gasps> i was looking at a bunch of um uh, I, I was looking at it because I want to I want to fix my build. I think I could do a better build for my character before I go into this final battle. At least I believe I'm heading towards the final battle. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody's kind of teamed up and we're all sailing towards, you know, the what seems like it's the final showdown. So I just wanted oh, to make boy. sure before I met up with everybody that I have the swords that I want, which I I'm almost I mean it's it's you can't you can't look for like best sword in Witcher because there's not just one. It depends on your play style and what you like to do and you have a yeah. steel sword and a silver sword and um but as far as the way I play I have the the tippy tippy top of the the gear, the best of the swords. The best I do of the best. think it I don't know if I should go in with the the cat slash the the feline set or the wolf set, which is what I have been wearing. Um, the wolf set what? is essentially the best overall. It's like the jack of all trades, master of none sort mm. of gear. Whereas the feline set allows you to boost your your attack, and so you can you can ha- hit much harder. Is uh, it does it lack a little more in defense? Uh, I I'm I think I mean I I think it does, but I don't know if it's enough to. I, I'm not 100% sure. I know that the feline set, if I can do the, I don't have all the stuff, the materials. I have it on the master uh, level. I don't mm-hmm. have the grandmaster set. Um, I'm one tier below. I have like one or two pieces that are grandmastered out, but they're very expensive to make as far as material mm-hmm. wise. So I'd have to go hunting materials in order to finish that grandmaster set. A little grinding, yeah. Um. But I think I would. And the one thing that's really cool about the feline set is it has a hood. So if I dye it at white, I'll basically look like Assassin's Creed. That would be um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would be very, very cool. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I I might grind it and just get that and be done with it. And then that way I've got the the, the Grandmaster Wolf and the Grandmaster feline set. I and would. And go, yeah. to, go to battle and, and see if we can just finish this thing up because it's been a long time and, and I've enjoyed every, I was just walking around last night through one of the cities and just enjoying it. The moon was out and it was just, it's crazy. Even on the switch, how beautiful the game is um, so much so that I do fully plan on at least firing it up on my series X when I get the chance. Cause I want to see it. I want to nostalgic. I, yeah. It's on game pass. So, I mean, if I pay for game pass, there's no reason not to, I just want to mm-hmm. see it at its, at its peak. Uh, the way it, it looked at its absolute best because they are coming out with that support for the the new series, the new uh, generations. Plus, so, it'll be a good reason for you to take it out of the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If nothing else, the the main reason I play the Series X is to play a five year old video thought? game. Yeah, that's probably what'll that's get me to do it. Yeah. But 
That so, and then in addition to that, I've been playing more Subnautica Below Zero. I think I found last night. I think I found some new, very interesting things that I had to force mm. myself to stop playing because I didn't want to, but I it needs to be on the stream. So um, I figured, you know what, I better I better stop here. So I put a beacon, and that's where I turned the game off. I will say that as much I I I really enjoy this i know you had made a comment when i was streaming the last time that you don't like the above water stuff as much yeah let me clarify that a little bit because i feel like during chat stuff kind of gets lost in translation or like read a different way it was more so that it's just a very snowy barren area Mm -hmm. and I miss from at least in the first game, every area, like as you got deeper and deeper, it gets glowier. And then there's the whole lost river area where it's like this acid river in the ocean, like very deep. And it's Mm -hmm. just every biome is so vibrant in a different way. And yet when you're on top of land, it, it doesn't feel like Subnautica anymore. It feels so weird and, and cold and barren. And I, I miss being in the ocean and having like, all the the foliage and and just all that stuff that that's the that's what i was trying to communicate but of course in chat you have to like summarize it really quick (laughs) yeah that makes sense what i was getting at yeah yeah well i think though with i i it doesn't bother me at all because i really like to get out and see sort of the remnants of you know the different the Altera bases stuff. and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I like to see that kind of stuff. Anything that I'm exploring. Stuff. I will say that the biomes are much more fleshed out. I think they went mm-hmm. kind of crazy with the design of the biomes in this one. The de- the level of detail and the, the things they've added. Everything is just intertwined and glowing and crazy. I do mm-hmm. think they got rid of a lot of that... Um, the fog that's underwater. I think they removed a lot of that stuff. So you can really get to see better. It seems like, especially on the switch, because I know the the draw distance does feel a little bit. The draw distance was terrible on on the first game. It was so hard to do anything, but on the downside, it gets rid of a lot of the scary. I don't think this one is as scary as the first one was. I don't feel like when I'm swimming around, there's going to be a giant Leviathan that's going to attack me quite like I did in the first one. Because in this one, everything kind of, even the even some of the little sharks make like a Leviathan sounding scream. And I'm yeah. at that point, you just kind of get desensitized to it. So when you do yeah. hear or see a Leviathan, it is cool, but it's kind of like, I, I don't. I don't care. You know, I, I've another been going, one of you guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. impact me. It, I don't feel like, oh, this thing's going to kill me. If, if anything, I I kind of charge at them now because it's just it, it. It's sort of that's the way the game is. Um, I will say though that the leviathans in this are much much Ruthless. less. Um, yeah, they're they're they they will do some serious damage. They will now. kill you. Very yeah, they're quickly. they're mostly one hit. Like one, you yeah. get one chance. If you're caught by the Leviathans in this game, you're dead. Um, so that, that as it should be, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest pain point for me in this, and I will say again that I'm enjoying Below Zero more than I think I did Subnautica. I just really like this. I like the story is so much more. Uh, fleshed out uh, it just it feels it is smaller the map is definitely smaller but i i really like the idea of this sort of altera being this corporate like kind of maniacal company and there's things happening that we don't know about still that i and i can kinda like picture kind of like resident evil and i can picture the potential of the series i want to go to other planets and i want to see other things and i want like i just I'm really loving what the, it's kind of like portal to portal two portal was great. Portal two was better. You know, there was more story. Yeah. There was more backstory. There was more interesting things going on. Subnautica was amazing. Below zero is better in my opinion, because it's fleshing out this world so much more map might be smaller and the biomes are different and all that kind of stuff, but there's just so much more potential now with where this is. And that's, what's got me so excited. The downside for this game is 100% the crashing. This game crashes so much on me now that it's once an hour, at least it's right? borderline unplayable, yeah. um, I'm I'm not going to stop because I I do want to finish it and but yes I'm getting You're to the point if I stream for two hours three hours it will crash two or three times and that's mm-hmm. just 
terrible. This game didn't crash at all in the beginning. And then little by little, it started to crash. And I don't understand what's causing it. I don't, I mean, it's nothing I can do differently, but all I do now is save a lot. That's that's all I can do. And even sometimes I'll be saving and it'll crash mid-save. So it just, you know, you may lose time here and there, but it's not a huge deal. It's just aggravating, especially when I'm streaming, because that's another, you know, five minutes that I'm waiting for it to boot up and load and do its thing. It's a big pain point that people need to be aware of, at least. At least on the Switch. I I don't know why. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, From what I've read on different forums, this is something that's supposed to be in the the, uh, fix is supposed to be in the works. Yeah, when when I was reading it into it, they said that there is a patch that they're currently testing. So hopefully that means it'll be coming out soon. But it did seem like it's... um, So obviously the first game, regular Subnautica... That one crashed for you a lot too, where on other in other places it didn't. Below Zero seems to be having this issue across the board. Mm. Um, it's not just on the Switch. And um, a lot of people are suspecting it has to do with memory. That's like when what, there's that would more stuff to load. And yeah, because if you play, it seems pretty consistently like right now, because I feel like you have so many things explored and your base is so big um, that it makes sense that about once an hour it would just crash. It's so much information for the the game to try to be writing. So mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. And based on what I'm reading, it 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 everybody else seems to be thinking the same thing. That's so, the impression I was getting that it's yeah, some sort yeah. of memory issue and the game is just can't handle it. Yeah. But that uh, being said, I'm save loving. Often. <laughs> yeah, save often. I'm loving every minute of it. Um, gonna try to wrap that one up here soon and then see what i'll play next i don't know i got like i said I've, there's so many things to play that i'm excited to jump into something else and like yeah. you with bioshock the last handful of games i've played have all been sort of these survival games so <laughs> yeah. i'm excited to maybe branch maybe do some fire emblem or something else that's not um not that i'm and excited th- for you to play fire Emblem because i haven't seen any of that yet mm-hmm. and i know that would really mix it up for you yeah, I would mix it up. And and yeah. the, the key to that would be as long as I'm done with Witcher and this, I don't have, you know, that way I can play little games and still have like mm-hmm. like a Witcher 3 type game, this long 100 plus hour game going on yeah. in the background. You also have Journey to the what Savage is it? Planet. Journey you know? to the Savage Planet. But that's that very much really like good. a Subnautica. So that may be yeah. maybe down the road, I'll, I'll fire that one up as well. Yeah. That sounds good. There it is. That is another episode of Nintendo Dispatch. If you want to write us, please feel free. Head over to NintendoDispatch.com. Hit that contact button and send us a little love note. If you want to watch us, go to Twitch.tv forward slash Nintendo Dispatch. We stream Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays over there, at least for the summer hours. We may be mixing that up once fall, Sometimes winter. in between. Who knows? Yeah, sometimes in between, occasionally <laughs> in between. We but tweet we, about it. <laughs> we, yeah, we try to send out a tweet or write on Discord. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, go to at Dispatch Podcast. If you want to see and chat with us on Discord, go to our website. We have a link to that over there. And that's how you can reach us. If you have anything else you want to say, anything you want to talk to us about, any questions you want to ask, any topics you want us to talk about, please feel free to message us. That has been your Nintendo Dispatch. Dispatch.